are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. And there are several verses I'm going to refer to. But tonight we're going to use verse number 9 as a text verse. And I appreciate the missionaries. I appreciate your burden. Uh, The church we pastor, the only way you can explain the 34 years that we've seen the hand of the Lord there And what God's allowed us to do, I mean, there's only one way to explain when you see what we got with what we started, and it's missions. It is missions. It is missions. And our church is not just mission-minded, we're mission-hearted. And we've just, I mean, we've built churches in foreign countries and bought big, I mean, it's been amazing. But we have never come up short for putting God's work first. And God's blessed us with a beautiful place, and it's because of missions. God just blesses that kind of stuff. And he blesses a church that does it, and he blesses an individual that does it. And there'll never be a substitute for proclamating the gospel. There'll never be a substitute for personal soul winning. There'll never be a personal substitute for the church being involved in the proclamation of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm glad we got a story to tell. We got a message to preach. We have a Jesus to honor. We have a song to sing and a stand to take and a cross to bear and a world to reach and a crown to win. And I'm just excited about being a preacher, being a Christian. And sometimes like last night, my excitement gets the best of me and I lose my dignity. I don't do that every time I go to church but I'm subject to. And man, I'm just fired up about it. I can't help it. The Lord is good. And I want to try to tie all this together tonight in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And notice what he says tonight in verse number 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 9, he says, wherefore. And he's about to give you the motive, the reason for something. He says, wherefore we labor. And how many will agree tonight the greatest labor in all is the labor of love that we do for our Lord? And it says, wherefore, because the motive, wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. In other words, whether we're here before men or in heaven before God, whether in our life or whether in our death we serve the Lord, we labor because we want to be accepted of him. All of us want to hear one day the Lord say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. And from this passage, I just want to preach from my heart a little bit on motives for the ministry. Motives for missions, motives for giving, motives for soul winning. Why we do what we do. And I believe tonight all of us would agree that the Apostle Paul, at the end of his life, he said, I fought a good fight. 
I finished my course and I kept the faith. And he was not without burdens. He was not without storms. He was not without conflicts. He was not without difficulties. But yet, when the going got rough, Paul kept on going. When the mountains got high, Paul kept on climbing. When the oceans got wide, Paul kept on swimming. And when the battle got hot, he kept on fighting. There was something in his life that pushed and motivated and stirred him and caused him to remain faithful to the finish. Well, I believe when you come to 2 Corinthians 5, Paul opens up his heart and he lets us see some things he had that motivated him, that prodded him, that stirred him, that caused him to be faithful to the finish. Look what he said in verse number 20. He says, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. I call that tonight the saints call. Paul, when you were persecuted, Paul, when you were in the battle, Paul, when you were discouraged, what caused you to keep on going when the going got rough? He said, I had a call upon my life. And every believer in this room tonight has that same call upon our life and it is an ambassador for Jesus Christ. You know what an ambassador is? He is somebody who represents another country. He is somebody that represents that country under the authority of a king. Aren't you glad tonight we represent another country, heaven? And aren't you glad tonight we operate under the authority of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and Jesus is his name. We represent the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we teach about him in our lessons and we sing about him in our songs and we preach about him in our sermons because he made us a promise that if he would be lifted up, he would draw all men unto him. And I'm amazed to this night at the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are ambassadors for Christ. And I'm glad tonight to be a representative of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Tonight when we realize who we are, we're not our own, but we're ambassadors for Christ, representatives for Jesus Christ. We can't stop, we can't quit. We must press on and be faithful to the finish because he's worthy of our service. The saints call, we're ambassadors for Jesus Christ. Number two, look what he said in verse number 17. What kept him going? What motivated him? What prodded him to be faithful? How did he stay faithful to the finish? Look what he said in verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. I call that salvation's change. Paul, what stirred you and motivated you and kept you faithful to the finish he said, I never got over what Christ did for me when he made me a new creature and he radically changed my life. Boy, if anybody could say that with power and authority, it's Paul. For here's a man that had dedicated the first half of his life to stamp out the church 
But oh my, that night on the road to Damascus, he was rescued and saved by the power of the gospel. And he went down a critic and came up a champion. And he went down a foe and came up a friend. And he went down a persecutor and came up a preacher. And he never got over what God did for him when he saved him and when he changed him by his grace. And someone said, preacher, give me one good reason why I ought to be a soul winner and give the missions and be a missionary and preach the gospel. Give me one good reason why I ought to be faithful in serving God. Here's one good reason. Are you saved? <laughs> oh, we don't work to be saved, but we work because we are saved. We ought to be so glad that God made a new creature out of us that anything he would ask us to do, we would say, Lord, here am I, send me. Paul could never get over the wonder of the new birth. He could never get over the wonder of being made a new creature in Jesus Christ. And aren't you glad tonight that salvation is not an overhaul job, it is a brand new life and a birth and an experience like none other. Salvation's changed the saint's call. Number three, look at what he said in verse number 14. Paul, what motivated you? What stirred you? What caused you to be faithful to the finish? And he said, here's what stirred me. Here's what caused me to be faithful. Here's what motivated me, verse 14. For the love of Christ constraineth us. I call that the Savior's compassion. Paul, what was it that kept you going in the midst of persecution? Paul, what was it that kept you going in the midnight hours? Paul, when you were being stoned and beaten with the rods and you were shipwrecked and the trials and the storms of life, what kept you motivated, what kept you stirred, what kept you on the front line, he said, somebody loves me. And Jesus is his name. The love of Christ constraineth us. Notice he didn't say, my love for Christ Sometimes our love for Christ is fickle. Sometimes our love for Christ vacillates. Sometimes our love for Christ is cold and sometimes it's lethargic. Man, I'm not voted made, I'm not motivated tonight on how much I love him, but I'll tell you what motivates me is praise God, how much he loves me. Because my love for him is not what it ought to be sometimes, but his love for me is exactly what it ought to be all the time. His love never vacillates. His love never changes. His love is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I can't get over the fact that he loved me enough to die for my sin. And I love the words of Paul. And if he died for one, he died for all. There's not a man on planet earth that Christ didn't go to the cross for. Oh, what love. Now, you young people have no idea of this illustration, but some of you older people will. I remember back in the 70s, my sister had a boyfriend. He broke up with her. And boy, I came home one day and she had a record player. Now, I know you don't know what that is, but just imagine a giant CD <laughs> on a plate 
with a fork on top of it. <laughs> She's playing some song called If a Picture Paints a Thousand Words, then why can't, we got two ladies just passed out under there. God bless you, sister. And, and boy, she was sitting there and she was just a, a crying. And she'd went and picked one of my mother's flowers and she was plucking petals off of it going, he loves me not, pluck. He loves me, he loves me not, pluck. He loves me, pluck. He loves me not, pluck. And I said, what are you doing? I mean, I was only eight, but I had better sense than that. <laughs> you said, did you ever have any puppy love? No, but some of my friends did, and it led to a dog's life. But anyway, I said, I said, what are you doing? She said, I'm trying to figure out if he loves me or not. I said, what are you doing? She said, well, it depends on what pluck I land on. If I land on the right pluck, then I know he loves me. Oh, I've never seen a child of God plucking petals off of the rose of Sharon or the lily of the valley saying he loves me and he loves me not because there is no not to it. He loves me yesterday and he loves me today and a billion, zillion, trillion, infinity years from tonight, he still will love me. The love of Christ constraineth us. He causes the wheels of God to turn in our soul. Paul, what was it that stirred you and motivated you and kept you going? The saints call, salvation's changed, the Savior's compassion. Number four, look what he said in verse number 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. I call that the seat's claim. What are you talking about, Paul? He's got in mind those Greek runners. And after they had rammed the course and crossed the finish line, they would come to the bema, which is called the elevated seat of the umpire, it was called the bema seat. And as they stood before the elevated platform of the umpire, they wanted the umpire to hold up the rod of authority as a sign. You did it right and you finished well and here is your crown. And Paul said in another epistle, a lot of people did that that they might receive a corruptible crown. He said, but we've got something better in mind. An incorruptible crown. Because one day, ladies and gentlemen, everybody in this room will carry our last burden and we'll pray our last prayer and we'll give our last offering and we'll witness our last time and we'll take our last step and we'll cross the finish line and we've got to stand before the elevated seat, not of an earthly judge, but the King of kings and Lord of lords and his name is Jesus Christ and I want him to hold up the right hand of blessing and authority and say, well done, my child. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Here's your corruptible crown. Man, I gotta stand before the Lord, the judgment seat of Christ. And it's not a sin question. Oh, no. Our sins were dealt with at Calvary. It is a reward banquet. And I wanna have some crowns. You say, isn't that kind of egotistical? Well, let me finish and tell you what I wanna do with them. That's gonna be a great big celebration for the King of kings and Lord of lords. 
and I want to be in that number when we cast our crowns at his feet and thank him for saving sinners like us. Old buddy Squire Parsons said it like this, don't look for me beneath the gates of pearl. Don't look for me by the walls of Jasper. Oh, but when you get to heaven, look for me at Jesus' feet. I wanna be there and celebrate and thank him for saving me. Press on, the seats claim, don't give up. Let's hear him say, well done, when we stand at the judgment seat of Christ. Number five, look if you will in verse number one and two. Paul, what stirred you? What motivated you? What prodded you? What caused you to keep on going? The saints call. Salvation's change. The Savior's compassion. The seats claim. Look what he said in verse one and two. He said, for we know. Boy, he said, I'm not thinking, I'm not hoping, but I know. What do you know? That if the earthly house of this tabernacle be dissolved. We have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. You say, what is that verse saying? It's saying the best is yet to come. I call it a sure consolation. Paul, what was it that kept you going when you were persecuted, when you were stoned, when you're going through the rough side of life? What was it that prodded you to finish well? He said, I'll tell you what it was. I realized when all of this down here was over, I had something eternal and forever over yonder. You know how Paul made it through the nasty now and now? He never forgot about the sweet by and by. Boy, I was in a conference not long ago and a guy got up and rebuked me. I preached on the coming of the Lord and shouting down the streets of glory. I was having me a time and the guy got up, man, he just rained on all of our parties and he looked down at me and he said, I'm sure you're a good boy and I'm sure you'll go to heaven if you don't run past it. And he said, I just want you to understand, don't be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. And I took it like a good old boy. I didn't say anything. Well, I'll tell you what I did. I gritted my teeth, but I didn't say anything. And I got in my room and I called a friend of mine, told him what he said. And I said, I'll tell you this. I'm 57 years old and I've seen a lot of things in my life, but I've seen very few people that are so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. I tell you what I have seen, I've seen a whole bunch of people so earthly minded, they ain't no heavenly good. But I figured if Jesus talked about his coming in heaven and Simon Peter talked about the coming of the Lord in heaven and the apostle Paul talked about the coming of the Lord in heaven, I could talk about some golden daybreak. Jesus will come and we'll leave this world and we're going to heaven and we've got something eternal over there and the best is yet to come. Hallelujah, that'll wanna make you stay faithful. Heaven is just around the bend. I read this little story the other day. This lady got cancer. She wasn't married. And she went to the doctor, and the doctor said, you've got about three months to live. 
If there's anything in your life you've ever wanted to do, do it quickly. And ever since she was a little girl, she dreamed about flying in a big jet, flying to New York and spending one night in a big high-rise hotel. So she went to the bank, drew out all her money, booked everything and flew to New York. They picked her up in a limousine and took her to one of those high-rise, big ones. Man, she walked in and she'd never seen such beauty. Brass chandeliers, marble floors, them little doors that opened and shut by themselves, overwhelmed. Man, she signed some papers. A little fella came up and got her suitcases and said, follow me. Boy, she followed him to this little room and the door opened and then the door shut and she started crying. Just as we say down south, boo-hooing, crying. And the little fella said, what are you crying about? She said, this is terrible. There's no carpet on the floor. There's no pictures on the wall. There's no bed to sleep in. There's absolutely no view. She said, I've dreamed and planned all of my life and this is all there is to it. And the little boy said, oh ma'am, please don't cry. You're just on the elevator. What you got is up there. Boy, so many times the devil tells us Christians, it's all in vain, that's all there is to it, but I wanna tell you, keep on running the buses and keep on knocking on the doors and keep on supporting the missionaries. This world is not our home. We're just on the elevator. What we got is up there. One day we shall see the king. So press on. It won't be very long. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.